0: It's Wednesday, August 7th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and I'm joined in studio by motley Fool analyst Jason Moser. Jason, how are we doing today? Howdy, just fine. How about you? I'm doing good. Excellent. I'm doing good. I'm so glad
1: to be in here. It's great to be with you. I mean, be it's, with always, you. Always, uh, it's always, I, I really like doing
0: the show with you. You, just... you know, I, I love doing the show with you. And I've also got to give a shout out to Chris Hill for yesterday's podcast. I've worked with Chris, that was strong. For more than twenty years, since nineteen ninety eight, so I don't know why I'm still surprised by just the majesty and the brilliance that is Chris Hill. But yesterday's market foolery is one of the all time greats. Yeah, I agree totally. So if you didn't hear it, then actually if you didn't hear it, just just stop right now and and <laughs> yeah. go go listen to it. And if you did listen to it, then I would encourage you to forward it to someone you love or maybe someone you. Don't really love, but just forward it because it is a incredibly compelling, entertaining podcast, and it's a public service.
1: It is, and you know, I, I I said something to him on Slack about that. Like I'm never surprised at something like that. Always just proud and impressed, and just, but never surprised because
0: because he's he's got it figured out. And he had me with the moose.
1: <laughs> that was the best part. Okay.
0: Moose crossing. I don't want I don't want to give anything away. Okay. Yeah. On that note, today's show, we're gonna talk some CVS earnings. We're gonna talk some lumber liquidators. Woof. Or lack of liquidators. Oh, wow. Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe that refers to the stock price. Yeah. Um, but let's begin with Disney. Now, at the time of our taping, shares of Disney down around 5% on earnings, Jason. Now, Disney citing the 21st century Fox integration, not going swimmingly there and weak theme parks attendance you don't hear that every day as well as their streaming investments those are just a few of the culprits what do you make of disney's downturn here
1: yeah well i mean this is the same disney that we just we've been so effusive over uh you know in recent quarters i mean it's it is the same business i think it's really easy to get on the bandwagon with disney and love this investment because there are a lot of ways to win but you made some very good points there in the read-in, and i think these are the questions that they'll need to answer in the coming year or two uh, particularly in regard to the 21st Century Fox acquisition, I mean that was a massive, massive deal. That that integration is not going to come without challenges and hiccups. Um, it, it it is going to take some time. Obviously, we won't know until we know. But they need to really convince us as investors that they can pull this off without
0: wasting too much time and or money. Yeah, and one of the problems was speaking of 21st Century Fox, the film business and this this film, this movie. Dark Phoenix, right? A real bomb. Did you see Dark Phoenix? (laughs) I did not. Did you know that Dark Phoenix was a film or movie?
1: (laughs) I remember reading about it somewhere at some point, but it does sound like it was a 21st century Fox side of the the business, and not one of the uh, you know Pixar or Lucasfilm or Marvel just gems that they seem to to keep on churning out time after time. I mean, you know, the 21st century Fox acquisition is just going to give them a big portfolio of intellectual property, right? And that's what they do best: is they take all of this property, all of these stories and characters, and they just weave gold just for decades. So I suspect we will see them continue to do that. I mean, there are going to be some bombs along the way. But um, to your point about parks, uh, it was interesting to see that while park traffic was down marginally, I mean, it was a couple of percent maybe down per capita spending was up. It sounded like the park attendance was down and it was a bit of a conscious decision on their part. To ratchet back a little bit on the demand side as they're rolling out this new Star Wars uh, dynamic to the
0: parks. Okay, so and you're so, not sweating the whole park. I'm
1: thing. not. I mean, this was a Disneyland thing, at least partly, um, and it was something that was more or less self-inflicted um, as time goes. They're working on really making sure they nail down the experience, and that is something that I appreciate because you know you remember a lot about Disney World and Disneyland when you go there. When you come back, you really remember the quality of the experience, and that's one of their advantages. They want to make sure they have that down, Pat, before they
0: just roll this out to the masses. OK, so let's move on to streaming, because they made a big announcement on their earnings call. Um, Disney announcing that they will offer a bundle of their three streaming services, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, and ESPN+, for $12.99 a month, starting in November. Now, if that amount sounds familiar, <laughs> that's because Netflix's most popular plan is also $12.99. Disney CEO Bob Iger says, That's a coincidence. Oh, I'm sure, Hmm. yeah. So, what do you think of the Disney Bundle? Because That sounds pretty compelling, especially when I looked at Hulu this morning and I looked at all the Hulu channels I could get. And I'm like, wow, I can get CNN, I can get MSNBC and Fox News and all of the news channels. I can get ESPN. I can get all of the cable channels I want to watch. I mean, that's pretty compelling.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, for for as long as we can remember, I mean, we've talked about what a great value Netflix is, and it really is. I mean, you're paying not a whole heck of a lot for a just slew of content, and I think you would make that argument with this bundle as well. I mean, this is going to be a tremendous value, even if it's not everything that you want it to be. For the price that you're paying, you're going to have a very broad offering of content that spans from you know, animated Disney content to sports to news to you know whatever else they have in their streaming catalog on Hulu, which is a lot. Um, and I think that you know we knew, whatever we assumed, we were pretty sure they were going to do some type of a bundle thing because why wouldn't you? Um, and it really does just boil down to. How will they be able to raise prices for this over time? I think they did a very, very wise thing in offering this package for such a low price. And I mean, we don't know exactly what's going to be in it, but I can guarantee you there's going to be a lot. In there, that's gonna it's gonna
0: scratch a lot of different itches, so to speak, and it'll give them room to raise that price over time. Okay, so I am both a Disney shareholder and a Netflix shareholder. So as a, Di- as a Disney shareholder, I'm pretty fired up about this bundle. Yes. How should I feel as a Netflix shareholder? Because as we've talked about time and time again, a lot gets made of this Disney versus narrative, Disney versus Netflix yeah. narrative, and and yes, the price that seems fairly <laughs> fairly co- you know convenient. that yeah. It's the same price as Netflix's most popular plan. Is this a threat to Netflix, or do you think that's overblown? I
1: I think that's overblown. Firstly, I mean, I do. I think that Netflix has done such a good job in helping spearhead this over the over the top movement, really, the streaming movement, that I think they've established themselves as kind of a bedrock streaming position. It's a bedrock member. Of the services to which you'll subscribe, and and I I think they'll be able to maintain that position for the foreseeable future, because again, it's it's a tremendous catalog and a lot a lot of content there. I think that Disney has put themselves in the conversation as as a bedrock holding as well. Now, I don't think it's a threat to Netflix. The question I think for investors when it comes to Netflix though is how much farther can Netflix raise prices now? right Because I mean this is all about I mean for Netflix they're starting to they've got a very big subscriber base. I mean it's reasonable to figure that maybe they're kind of that growth is going to be a little bit tougher to come by, particularly as more competition enters the fray. So how much farther can they raise prices before people start saying, you know what maybe I don't find that to be as worth it or maybe I'll downgrade to the simplest plan they have. And that to me could be a big problem for investors. I don't think it's a problem for Netflix, the company, but I mean, as an investor, that's my first question because the one thing we're critical of with Netflix is that they pay a lot of money every year for content. I mean, they have a whopping bill that is going to be due for the foreseeable future. And I don't know that that ever is really going to slow down. And I know content is a very personal thing, right? Some people love certain content, some people don't. Now, I personally view Netflix as having a very mediocre universe of content. And it sounds like they're going to be losing a lot of stuff here in the near future. Now, that's just an opinion, right? I know other people love their content, but I know I'm not the only person that shares the opinion that their content is somewhat mediocre. Um, So, then it goes back to, how much can they raise prices before people start trying to make a decision weighing one versus the other? I don't know that they have a whole heck of a lot of room left to do that. And if they don't, that's going to be a, be a big problem for the financials out of this business.
0: Okay, so back to Disney Plus, though. If Netflix ultimately is not that threatened by Disney Plus, if yeah. they're fighting their own fight with the cost of content, who do you think is most threatened by Disney Plus? Um, I think it's the traditional cable companies,
1: and, and we even we even saw a nice passage in the call with Bob Iger talking about how see Disney is kind of having their cake and eating it too. It's really neat because. For the longest time, they've played on this traditional side of the equation, right? Playing in with the cable companies, and they have the affiliate in advertising revenue that they bring in from being a part of that cable relationship, but as time goes on and we see that cable relationship is eroding as we see more offerings whether it's Hulu Live or YouTube Live or whatever and so Disney is now having to sort of play both sides of the fence there and making some of their content there for cable companies available but also building out their own offerings here with their streaming properties whether it's Disney Plus or ESPN Plus or Hulu Live or Hulu Disney really controls a lot of the power here because they can pick and choose and and I think that I mean, cable companies are just on the wrong side of history. They're notorious for just really bad service. One of the great things about streaming is the service is so cut and dry and simple and easy, and the interface is so slick. The experience is so great. Whether it's Netflix, HBO, Amazon... They don't Amazon, give you a window of time? Yeah, I mean, it's no window of time, exactly. <laughs> it's just, I mean, if there's a problem, you know, the solution is typically on the website. You just go click a button and it's fixed. Uh, I mean, I feel like the cable companies are just in this long, slow bleed, and I don't know what there's not i don't know if anything brings that back a cable company could offer me a full cable package for $50 now I mean, I'm just they could give it to me. I don't want it because I don't want to deal with them. I don't want the cable box. I don't want all of those channels that I don't watch. I mean, the streaming environment today is just
0: so robust and so great. I will say, and I may have mentioned this to you, that a couple of years ago I was part of an internal development program here at the Motley Fool. and we had the opportunity to go to Philadelphia and we visited Comcast. And it was a really, really great visit. And I will say that I. We have FIOS and I used to be a Comcast, you know, subscriber, I was not in love with the service. I've not heard a lot um, of good things about Comcast yeah, but, but but the people were absolutely wonderful. But we were running late for this visit and we were meeting with different Comcast executives <laughs> and we were running like an hour late or a few minutes late at least because we had different visits in the city. And so um they they we had this great conversation with their different executives and afterwards i was you know feeling kind of emboldened and i'm like okay as you, you know. as you are yeah and 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 i should have had an editor like i should have <laughs> many times in life but instead Uh-oh. i went up to the woman who i think headed up their corporate communications and i said you know sorry we were late um, i was tempted to to tell you that we were going to be here sometime between 2 and 6 <laughs>
1: Oh my God! You said that to her. I said that to her. Oh, right? how and, did that go and, over?
0: You know, she she. <laughs> I, I'm luckily I'm luckily used to this response by now. She kind of just weakly smiled. <laughs> um, I don't remember an audible laugh. Oh. Um, but here's the thing: if if you're at Comcast and you have an opportunity to make a joke about Comcast to Comcast. I think you gotta take it. Oh, you never don't you?
1: That option never. You probably never see that opportunity again. And like for most of the vitriol and sarcasm that flows through Twitter in regard to Comcast, I'm sure they see none of it really. Yeah. Um, Oh man, I think I. I don't blame you at all
0: for dude. That's a, that's a good one. I think if it were stand up, I think this would be like they call it like playing to the back of the room. Yeah, that's where all the comedians are right, are. You leave on a high right? note, but I don't know what this is actually playing to. Whatever <laughs> is behind the back of the room. Oh my god. Yeah, it was it was rough. That's okay, so good. So I want to move on, but I want to I, I do want to ask you one more question because yeah. as we know as investors, there are no guarantees. So if five years from now we're looking at Disney Plus and saying that didn't work up, Disney really coughed up a hairball. What happened?
1: Um, I so I would think I mean I, I don't think it'll be content because I think they know that content is what makes it so special. So I'd have to believe it would be on the execution side, like the customer experience, the streaming experience. They don't make that easy. Discovery needs to be good, the the infrastructure needs to be good, it needs to be you know, that's one of the things Netflix has always done so well. It's just simple. It's simple to use, um, and, and I think they need to make sure that it's it's simple to use and organized well. Um, and and if it's not then I suspect people will complain about it. Now, the flip side of that is, if it's not and people do complain about it, well, there's your opportunity to make it better. Listen to what the people are telling you to do. So, it's a solvable problem. But I don't think it'll be on the content side, because I'm pretty sure they know that the content's the big advantage.
0: And let's move on to CVS. Shares of CVS up around 5% on earnings. Jason's same-store sales rising 4.2%, and CVS also raising its four-year guidance.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really amazing to see where this company is today versus the CVS That you and I grew up with, or maybe didn't grow up with, but knew from 10, 15, 20 years ago, Um, because they really have diversified themselves into a multifaceted healthcare company. I mean, for the longest time, CVS was just this kind of grody store that you would walk into to buy you know deodorant and nicorette or whatever it was but i mean now <laughs> it's like you can go in there and get whatever you want but beyond just the store i mean they've got all of these initiatives with health hubs and Aetna and and pbm wins and medicare advantage lives that are going to be coming online in in 2020 and the minute clinic strategy so they've got you know they're taking this big physical footprint of stores that they have and recognizing that they need to do more with it and and i think you know, we saw a long time ago the the move where they stopped selling cigarettes and tobacco, and that was a sign of really what mattered to them and what they were trying to become, and and I think they're executing there. And then the Aetna acquisition, which closed at the end of last year, is working out well. Pharmacy claims processed were up four percent, prescriptions filled were up six percent, and and again they're reaching out to Consumers by becoming a more comprehensive offering.
0: Okay, that all sounds good. But then I look at the stock chart. Yeah, over the last year, your share is down around twenty percent. Um, the market, the S and P, is roughly around where it was last August. Okay, it's been obviously a volatile year, so it's lost to the market. Shares down around twenty percent over the last year. What is going on with the stock?
1: Well, I think a lot of it, you know, certainly centers around not only a bit of a nebulous healthcare environment, but I mean the Aetna acquisition. That was a big, big acquisition. And you know what it reminds me of, actually? It reminds me of, this all comes back to McCormick early, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of the McCormick RB Foods deal. Uh, I mean, you remember when that happened at the time, um, as good of a business as McCormick was or is, the questions were fair Is are they going to be able to pull this acquisition off? Because it was a big one. And I think with CVS, that is a question that still is. is you know, up up for debate, and that's valid. It's not been a very long time since they made this acquisition. They they really stretched themselves financially to do it. Uh, they've put share repurchases on hold. They're not going to be raising the dividend at all. And so, when you have those two those two things right there alone, investors are probably looking at it and thinking, "Well, it's not really going to be some big income play." And we know they're not going to be repurchasing shares. Maybe there, are, you know, other other better opportunities out there. But I do think in three years, when we look back at this, given all of these things. that that they're trying to do the catalysts on the horizon between health hubs and the minute clinics and their foray into telemedicine. With you know what company I'm getting ready, to I know call, where you're UMAC, going with this. I know Teladoc, and uh, you know, the <laughs> I think the Medicare Advantage lives that are coming online in 2020 there's gonna be about 20 million new potential uh customers that they're gonna be able to to uh try to woo. So, I think in the course of the next three to five years, I think we're going to look back at this point in time as being a very good time
0: to buy shares of this company. That all sounds compelling. I have one request. Yes. They have to make their receipts shorter. I don't it's, understand it's, it's why insane. they haven't done that. It's ridiculous. It when is, I come out of there and it's like a 100-yard long receipt. I mean, how many trees is that?
1: I it's it to me, I mean, it's not like management's unaware. I mean, people make fun of it all the time. It's like that's that's their identity almost. Is CVS great place? Really long receipts,
0: yeah. though. It seems like a pretty easy charge me sell. like a nickel stop more it. not to have a long receipt. Yeah, or would you, you send Would email? you like to pay two cents more not to have a long receipt? Yes, yes, yeah. I would. Yes, <laughs> of course. Yes, please. tack it on there. Please, I'm happy to it. do it because then I don't know what to do with it. I mean, it's oh, it's the world. It goes straight in the garbage. Okay, so let's move on. A rough day for Lumber Liquidators. Shares down around 14% on earnings, hitting a 10-year low. Yikes! They missed on profit, they missed on sales. Outlook, not so great. So this may not even be the floor right for this company. Oh, that was a good one. Thank you, you saw I saw what you did there.
1: Um, <laughs> man, this is a good show today guys. I hope you're loving it. Um, yeah, I mean man, this has really been a fascinating story to watch because I mean it really this company should have recovered from the fallout
0: from a time ago with the health concerns over the flooring. So 2015 yeah 60 minutes reports. Um, they found that lumber liquidators appeared to be selling laminate flooring from China with high levels of formaldehyde. Yeah, um, the stock really took a nosedive. Lumber liquidators ended up paying a 33 million dollar penalty um, for lying to investors regarding the sale of its laminate flooring from China. Yeah,
1: and and the the good news is that really that litigation is essentially in the rearview mirror for this company now. And and You know, like I said, they really should have been able to say, okay, well, it's in the rear view. Now we're moving forward, and this is the plan to recover. Um, And unfortunately, what we've seen is that they've not been able to recover. And that's for a number of reasons. I mean, I do. It's it's a difficult business. I mean, they essentially are just selling a commodity good, right? And they're not the only ones that sell it. I mean, you're looking at Home Depot and Lowe's as massive competitors in the space that sell basically the same stuff. I mean, we had our basement finished at our house a couple of years ago, and we're going through looking at all the flooring options and stuff. I mean, we never even considered lumber liquidators, and it wasn't because of the the litigation or the health scare. It was just we found better stuff elsewhere for just yep. the same price. So I mean it's Teledoc. not the only game in town <laughs> McCormick maybe <laughs> if they start di- that's called diversification if they get into that I'm selling those companies immediately <laughs> but, um, I mean it is it is just a very difficult business so it's not one where they really have any pricing power their brand is in the toilet unfortunately and they've not been able to get it back and so then you hear on the call and I hate hearing this phrase our transformation plan remains on track okay and I'm like really that's... I mean okay but show me how and they Really can't point anything because traffic is still down. Now, part of that is because of this big secular shift away from bamboo flooring and more towards other, uh, you know, options, less expensive, more durable options. I mean, they've they've been tagged by that bamboo problem a little bit. Um, They are certainly faced with a China tariffs problem. I mean, they are working on trying to bring their sourcing in China down from around a fifty percent number to like a forty to forty five percent number. But I don't know that that's going to have a really material impact on the business at all. I mean, the problem is that that meager top line growth was really thanks to the opening of new stores. They opened three stores, they closed one, so they net two new stores. They're talking about wanting to open ten to fifteen this year. I think that's probably too much, actually. So I don't know that the solution is simple for this company. I don't know that there necessarily is one. It's not to say that the stock can't go up from here. It's probably kind of a dirty value play, but you know i look at it out and i mean there're just way better businesses and better ideas out there so I, I would look at this one and just immediately take a pass
0: okay so now it's time for the desert island question you're uh, on a desert nice. island Over the next 5 years i think I, think I think i exactly McCormick. You, you can go off the board you have to exclude those two exactly <laughs> i think i think i know where you're going with this but you're on you're on a desert island and over the next 5 years you can buy either disney cvs or lumber liquidators of a contrarian play, I guess. If you went with that last one, where are you going? Wow, that you know. Hmm, I'm surprised you're hesitating. I'm already surprised. But... You know,
1: I really love healthcare, and given where CVS's stock wow. is in relation, to, I'm going to go CVS. Interesting. Yeah, let's keep a track of that. You know, I love Disney. It's not a knock wow. against Disney. I think the I potential... thought you were excited about the bundle. I am very excited about the bundle. Hey, listen, but... I, I am going to have that bundle. Okay. Don't get me wrong, Mac. I love that idea. But I do feel like I feel like the pessimism out there on CVS right now is a little bit unwarranted, and I think over the course of the next three to five years, I think CVS is going to outperform Disney. And if they cut down on the length of their receipts, I mean that's, I mean that's a windfall. I mean that's 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 immediately a full 100 basis margin point. I mean easily on margin.
0: Uh, That's their Disney Plus. I
1: mean you you see that is their Disney Plus. You heard
0: it here first. That's their bundle. There you go. Okay. Well, as always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Jason Moser, thanks for joining me. Thank you, and all of you, thanks for listening. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.